0: pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Elizabeth, hey, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm excited for our conversation.
0: I am too. I was. We were talking a little bit before we started recording about how much I love Moses and people who <laughs> Listen to the show, know that I love Moses. We <laughs> talk about him a lot. and a lot of your book, uh, Embracing Your Life, is kind of guided by the story of Joshua.
1: It is. And yeah, I was
0: like, oh, that's perfect. They're like I know about I know about Joshua. maybe not as much as I do about Moses. but tell us just a little bit about yourself and what led you to write, Embrace Your life.
1: Yeah, I am a Bible teacher and author, and so, Uh, Previously, I've spent about seven years working vocationally in the church and lots of other years, you know, just hanging in there and volunteering. And I just love helping people understand the truth of scripture and applying it deeply to their lives. So deep theology, but how does it matter in the everyday moments? Yeah. And so embrace your life is probably the overflow of about 10 years of living in the hard places and deciding, hey, I'm not just going to live here. I'm going to thrive here. And how do I do that? And I've just found a lot of just encouragement. In the story of Israel, so got love from Moses, Joshua, even the, the stories that follow that and just how he handled a really difficult situation. And I think God gives him some powerful truth in those first nine verses of Joshua and they minister to me. And so I just wanted to share the overflow with anyone who would pick up my book.
0: Yes. Vocational ministry is no joke. <laughs> it's not a game. <laughs> it's it's, not, a it's game. not a game. It is not. Really- I only did a year of it. And okay. I was like, Okay. Okay. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm good up for this, to be totally honest. <laughs>
1: like, a special love to all the people who work on staff at your churches because they are. Man. Yeah. It is so
0: underappreciated. Mm-hmm. And it's so much harder than I think anybody yeah. knows. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 And so you kind of have like all of the worlds. You've mm-hmm. done the behind the scenes. You're also someone like in your own walk with Christ. You're an author. Yeah. You're so you kind of get to look at things from all different angles which yeah. just adds this level of relatability right like mm-hmm. i think sometimes i just did an interview with somebody talking about how a lot of the time our view of our view of difficulty or hardship we kind of put blinders on and we think mm-hmm. like we only see our version
1: exactly. of it exactly exactly and you kind of can't have blinders cuz you've done so much nah, of it uh uh now nah, yeah. i've talked to lots of different people and that was the thing about wanting to write the book is just so many people are struggling with the life that they have. And they're like, yeah. "This isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I signed up for." And so, ministry, you learn. And if I'm gonna give people truth, it can't just apply to me. It has to apply Amen. to everyone. And so, it's this good discipline, but also, you know, people's coming in your office, and your chair, and they're sharing their stories, and you're like, "Oh man!" So the yeah. everybody's got something that they're dealing with. One hundred percent.
0: And there's, I think, there's more solidarity. Yeah, Than we think like the situations yep. could be night and day, like I was literally interviewing uh, Benjamin Watson's wife, okay. the like, yeah, yeah. NFL football player, yeah, yeah. our lives could not be more different. She has seven <laughs> kids. She's married <laughs> to like this NFL superstar. They live in Atlanta. I've got two kids. My husband works in the automotive industry, but we've so much in common yeah. because we're women and mothers and wives yeah. and people who love Jesus walking through a really weird world. Exactly. So I love that. But where I was going with that is Joshua felt the same way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like 2000, thousands of years ago, more than that. And so how did you kind of use the story of Joshua as a guide through Embrace Your Life?
1: Yeah. You know, in the first nine verses of Joshua one, you kind of have this moment of transition. Moses has died in the first two verses. God's basically like, okay, Joshua, Moses is dead, Joshua. I need you to get up. It. And it's like, okay, okay, I mean, can I just process this a little bit, Lord? Uh, it's been a minute, you know, give me a minute. And if you look to Deut- Deuteronomy 34, like Israel, the whole nation mourned and lamented the process, like Moses dying. And so it is this process of lament. But then you see God off of that give Joshua like this really strong reminders. About who he is and what he's called Joshua to, and ultimately what he's called the entire nation of Israel to, that Joshua will lead them to accomplish, which is taking a hold of the land of Canaan, but ultimately God's redemption. Mm. And so to me, it's just this really strong encouragement coupled with space to deal with our pain. Mm. And so he doesn't just tell him to get over it. He doesn't just tell him, you know, stuff it down or move on or life's just hard. He gives him time to lament. But then at a point, he's like, okay. There comes a point where you have to continue on with what I've called you to. Like you're part of a story that's bigger than your pain. And so it's walking through those reminders that was really encouraging for me and kind of what I outlined.
0: Well, and I think the church, like capital C church or religion or Christianity, we don't know what to do with people in pain and in grief because it's this dichotomy, right? Of you have God, so that should like make it all better. Exactly. But we also, if you study scripture, you know, that you serve a God that, uh, or, or, you know, that Jesus understood grief, that he felt pain, that he mourned and was fully human in those emotions. So that's, that can like, I feel like we, we, you watch Christians tip one way or the other, kind of like you were saying either the, okay, get up. That's enough. Get over it. Move on. Mm -hmm. Or you do sometimes see people just stay in their pain and their grief and kind of never Yep. process
1: it and move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the pain is just this weird finicky thing and it doesn't mm-hmm. go away. I know. And we live in a culture that offers us so many options to kind of make it go away or, you know, our coping mechanisms. And I think this past year has shown all of us, our coping mechanisms are terribly insufficient <laughs> for anything, <laughs> but it just is I really love the story of Israel because it's the story of the ordinary moment, right? You yes. can turn pages in scripture and you have hundreds of years, like it'll go from king to king to king, but even specifically in the Psalms, you see them in the everyday ordinary moments of pain. What do I do? It, I bring it to mm. the Lord, mm. um, but they always couple it in the greater story of God, what God is doing through scripture. Amen. And Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful place for us to be, even as we're with people, the ministry of presence is really powerful. You don't always have to have the perfect words to say to somebody. Yes. Just being with them is a powerful source of encouragement for folks.
0: Amen. Sometimes we don't actually need to try to fix it. Like sometimes the best thing we can do is just be there. I have a friend that's going through a really difficult season right now, and I just shot her a text. I want to fix it, right? I want to fix it. I want to tell her all the things that I think that she could do that would fix it. But I just shot her a text message yesterday and was like, I just want you to know I'm not going anymore. Like Mm -hmm. things feel chaotic and they feel difficult. And I know that it feels like there's probably not a lot of constants in your life, but I'm doing my best to be that, you know, to to be what I can of that. I'm not perfect. I'm human, you know, but it's sometimes like being with people in their grief and their pain, we have to put aside what we think. We'll fix it. (laughs) And you watch that through scripture. One of my favorite things about the Psalms is David is such a wreck. (laughs) He's such a mess. (laughs)
1: Yes, he
0: is. Like, oh, it me. (laughs) It me. Watch. I mean, you can read a chapter. And top of the chapter, David's like, Why did you leave me? Where did you go? Why do you hate me? What the heck? And then the end of the chapter, he's like, Oh good, and you're so present. And I'm like, whiplash right now <laughs> like and that's throughout Israel you see that you see the Israelites do this like vacillation between those two and I think that that just gives us permission yep to, like
1: feel and be yep yep and I always like to think there's a little bit of space between the beginning of David's Psalms and the end yes like he eventually got to the truth about what God, who God is and what he's right. doing But he had to process his stuff. Right. It
0: wasn't probably as fast as we're reading it. Yeah. I love that. So what I I mean, I know just I mean, being a human, you have your own experiences of pain and heart and grief and tension and anxiety. But especially like, let's look at kind of the microcosm of the last few years that feel very tangible for people. What has finding joy and processing and walking through that looked like? For you specifically?
1: You know, finding joy has been this process of like recognizing it doesn't happen unintentionally. And so, how can I cultivate? And I talk, and I talk a lot about like spiritual practices, and that just helps me personally in my own walk of, okay, I can walk through this practice or this habit, and that will help me come to the place that I'm hoping to land in. And so, you know, how can I cultivate just joy, gratitude? and get up in the morning and celebrate the things that God has done, you know, so through this last few years, I'm single and I live by myself and isolation was a real thing. Yeah. And so how can I celebrate the people that I can call up on a phone or I can get on a zoom call and talk to, or even when things got a little better, I can go to their house and just be in community with them and Mm -hmm. just intentionally saying, God has given me people. (laughs) He has given me, a place to be known and to be loved. And that has helped me find joy or just a blessing. Like what blessings has God given me? Maybe they're blessings that came years ago or Mm. times he's answered my prayers years ago. I always like to talk about like Ebenezer stones. Like at this moment I had a big prayer and God came through and you know what? He'll do it again. Like he's still faithful. Yes. And that helps me refocus my mind on what's true. It's, all it's true and it's a reality, but we can just be looking over here in the corner mm-hmm. of what's wrong and broken and sad about our lives. And those things are true. Like it's it's real and we need to acknowledge them, but acknowledge them in light of all the goodness that God has done mm-hmm. or just the truth of who he is and the habit of actually verbalizing that has been really powerful.
0: Can you explain what an ebenezer Ebenezer stone is for people who maybe aren't familiar? Because I love yeah. that I love that like biblical concept. It's something my parents implemented, but I think it probably a lot of people wouldn't understand it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Ebenezer stones, they they represent moments in which God has come through for you. Yeah. And so the stone itself, it would be a physical stone. So when I think about an issue, a dynamic of stones with like Joshua, they would have these stones when they crossed over the Jordan River. And so this is a huge moment in Israel's story. God promised them the land of Canaan. And they're finally, after hundreds of years, being able to receive the fulfillment of that promise. And Joshua tells the people, hey, I need you to get two, 12 really big stones and put them here in a specific location so that every time somebody walks past them, they're like, what are those stones for? Mm-hmm. They have to tell the story and they mm. tell the story of what God has done. And so the idea of Ebenezer's stones is that the stone itself, and I have some people who have actual like stones yeah. in their yeah. house, that you tell the story. That it is yeah. a trigger for, oh, this represents this moment in my life where God did this okay, this will help me continue to trust him because we're easily forgetful people and that's just our human nature. Hey, yeah. it, is, it's, it just is what it is. And scripture talks a lot about remembrance and the yes. power and beauty of remembrance. And so Ebenezer Stone's help.
0: I love that they're not just for you. Yep. I love that in Ebenezer, like you get to hold it up to recall, but also to welcome people into yep. what God has done because mm-hmm. yes, it's really incredible. And powerful when I'm reman- reminded of God's faithfulness, but it, there's something to it, getting to look in someone else's life and say, here, I, here, I raise my Ebenezer, yeah. like raising it would make me think like, I want you to see, like, come and see and taste like how good he is, how good he's been. Because we do, I I think, especially in the last few years, like we're so dang forgetful. And that's another thing that we have in common with the Israelites. They were like next day forgetful, though. (laughs) Like, manna, oh no, God's forgotten us. And I'm like, bruh, you just ate bread that came out of the ground. Like, what? (laughs) But I think we should see so much of ourselves in the Israelites. And so I think that Ebenezer concept. I wish that was more prevalent in our like today, 2022 culture that we were more, because do you think sometimes people get weird about it? Like, I don't want to like, almost like I'm weird about talking about all the the things that God's done. What if people think I'm bragging? Like, what if people
1: think I'm crazy, (laughs) you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause the peep to share again, that's vulnerability to invite people into your life. And to share the things that God has done. And it can feel like, you know, that, oh, God's done all these great things for you. And you're telling me all these things. Like, I'm just telling you to encourage you. And we need that encouragement. And you're sitting in a group of people and you're going through a hard time and you hear how God has answered somebody else's prayers. That is going to like raise your level of faith to be able to believe that he can do it. But I think community, deep community does that. And we struggle with being in deep community with one another.
0: Yeah. Isn't it, it's kind of like a double-edged sword, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's one thing to read somebody's Instagram post about something yeah. really incredible. God did. It's another thing to have walked in deep community with someone yeah. and like essentially watch what God did. I tell the story all the time about my oldest That's she's actually homesick right now. When she had just turned one, she almost, she was on life support. She almost died and we got to keep her. And that's a huge Ebenezer in yeah. my life. And it's an incredible story to tell and it's, it stirs up emotions, but the people who walked through that with us seven years ago, like it's their Ebenezer too. Like they saw the machines breathing for her and the wires keeping her alive and they hold that up as well. And so, you know, that's another thing that we see exemplified in the old Testament in these stories. The, the reason kind of going back to the beginning of our conversation, the reason that God had to tell Joshua to like get up and get going is because he and Moses had walked in such deep community yep. and he was mourning that we're we're robbing ourselves of that, I think a lot of the time, and maybe some of it is like this fear that you're going to lose them, oh yeah, ever or eventually yeah. eventually, you know, but Think about all, I, I just think about all the story, like what Moses and Joshua experienced. We wouldn't have those stories if either of them had been like, you know, like you're going to get old and die one day. And I'm not really <laughs> down for that heartbreak. So I'm good. <laughs> We'd have a very short Bible. We have say. a very, very short Bible.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so your book, by the time this comes out, your book is out. What's your big, like hope that people walk away from
1: it. My hope is that people recognize that they're a part of a story that's bigger than their pain. And so in seasons where that you have a life and you don't want it for whatever reason, mm. um, ministry has provided me lots of opportunities to talk to people whether they're singles and they'd rather anything but be single or they're married and their marriage is on fire, infertility, economic, financial, health, all the all the, the whole gamut is that there's always hope. mm. that hopelessness and despair Can become quick places we go to. I hope to answer questions for people who have tried to find answers every. Yes, like their season doesn't have a quick end date on it, and to say that God still has something really beautiful for you, and let me help you find a new perspective of the life you have been in. Like let's process Mm -hmm. your pain, but then let's recognize God has called me to something really big in this world transforming agents in the communities that we are a part of and how can I lean into that I have life left and Mm -hmm. that's my hope is that people are reinvigorated Mm -hmm. um when they might just be really just weighed down with hopelessness.
0: well and I always love to say that like hope is a person Mm -hmm. like it's not a you can feel hope but hope is a person and so every single person that's listening every single person that's going to read your book has experienced hopelessness. I've been there. I like yeah. was there not that long ago. <laughs> but I think what sets us apart from people who don't have Jesus is that even in those hopeless moments like it's like I f- I think of it as like this tiny flame, right? Yeah. Like even when it feels yep. like everything is smothered and dead and hard. Yep. There's this flame that like won't go out. Like sometimes you're like go out so I can just feel all the darkness and the hard, leave me alone. I feel like Jesus is like, no, I'm here. And I'm, I am the embodiment of hope and love and peace and patience and all of the things. And sometimes I'm really glad that like, I always think of Jesus as being more stubborn than I am. Like, He's not, which is saying something, Mm -hmm. but just that he's not He's not going anywhere. And I love that your story and your book and navigating through the story of Joshua and Israel, like, just is a reminder of that for people. I'm sure that they'll walk away with the same.
1: Yeah, no, it is.
0: Where can people connect with you online? I'm sure your book is all the places they can get books.
1: Yeah, all the places they can get books. Yep. You can go on Amazon, Lifeway, uh, you can find it. And you can connect with me at my website, elizabethwoodson.org, or I'm on all the social networks. While I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, I feel like I've passed the TikTok generation. Yeah, same. <laughs>
0: I can only do Instagram. I just do the one. Because I'm like, do the I, one. Don't the, I don't have I the, the bandwidth. I don't one. have
1: it. No. I'm not that fancy. <laughs> but my handle is Miss Jazzy Liz, M-I-S-S-J-A-Z-Z-Y-L-I-Z. And you can hang out with me, okay. chat with me. I'm on the, on the social pages often.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for such a great conversation.